Welcome to Help from Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's a conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge pals the world round. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, also known as Alex, and I am joined as always by my coach, my pal, my Keyforge companion. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake? Hey, man. How's it going? And two very, very special friends from the world of Keyforge joining us from SheForge. We have Annie and Anne. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hey. So, um, Annie, how about you just uh, give us a little bit of a rundown about yourself first and let people get used to your voice since your names are similar. We don't want people to uh, get confused at all. Oh, sure. Well, I'm Annie. I first started playing Keyforge at Games and Stuff in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, I literally, this is the first card game I have ever legitimately picked up. The, the, the other card game I semi picked up was Yu-Gi-Oh on the uh, Game Boy Color. So, oh, wow. Yeah, this is legit the first card game. I was like, I'm going to try that. So I have questions about that. But before we get to that, Anne, what's your history with Keyforge? My history with Keyforge is I had kind of been looking into magic. I had a cousin who was into magic. Um, and so I wanted to connect with him. And as soon as I learned magic, he quit. And <laughs> I was at Gen Con kind of deciding if I wanted to get into magic. And that's when they announced Keyforge. And I thought, that's a great opportunity. It's a new game. I'm not playing catch up. Um, there's a chance to be part of a community build rather than a community that has already existed and had its problems and is trying to repair. And I liked kind of the aesthetic of Keyforge a little bit more, a little bit brighter, a little more welcoming to kids. I have a lot of younger cousins and younger kids I play cards with. So that's kind of how I got into it. Oh, that's very cool. Annie, what was it that drew you to Keyforge if it was the first game of its type that you ever really picked up and played? It was not having to buy individual packs of cards, hoping I would get something I wanted. I enjoyed oh, the wow. surprise of a pre-made deck where I could say, let me figure this out. I'm more of a figure it out person and less of a let me construct something person. Amen. <laughs> so as I sort of said off the top, you're joining us from SheForge, uh, which is a group of women uh, Keyforge players. And uh, I'm sort of curious because you both sort of mentioned community um, when you were introducing yourselves to us and sort of the appeal of the game and the ability to sort of like be on the ground floor. Sort of what's the, the, the story with SheForge? How did it form? What are its goals? What are its aims? Sort of how does it fit into the world of Keyforge as you both see it? Well, I'll start... Um I was in the main Keyforge Facebook group, and I don't remember now what the conversation was, but I jokingly made a comment and said, someone should start a group for the women who play Keyforge, but I don't want to do it. And then gave a list of reasons why I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and immediately I had players messaging me. I had people from FFG messaging me and I had a lot of people saying, you should do this. This would be great. And I was a little reluctant, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized I've been in the tabletop gaming community a long time, and I'm pretty used to being the only woman in the room. And when I thought about getting into a competitive card game, I thought it would be so nice to not be the only woman in the room all the time, or to have a group of women 
to say, I would like to travel to this event. Is anyone else going? Could I share a room with somebody? Um, because it's something you don't think about. I think, you know, the, the men around me who are very nice and very accommodating didn't think about those things when they'd say, let's all get a block of hotel rooms. And I'd say, I can't afford to do that because I'm the only woman and I'd be in a room by myself and it'd be twice as expensive for me. And so there were little things like that that I thought, you know, it would be really nice. The visibility of women would help more women play the game because when you come in and there's no women or there's only one woman, there's sort of a natural tendency to say, well, this isn't for me. This isn't my mm. space. And, and what have you noticed since you've started that? Have you, have you noticed that you've been able to pull more people in or the response you've got since you started this uh, community of SheForge? I think, yes, we've been able to pull more people in. And I know for me personally, it's made me reach out more. Um, like I said, I was used to being the only woman and I'm not necessarily a super girly girl. And it made me appreciate, it was kind of like the thing I didn't know I had been missing. Cause like I said, I was really reluctant to start it. I was kind of comfortable with my guys and that was fine. And then once I had this group of women, I was like, Oh, this is great. Actually, <laughs> there are people who understand where I'm coming from. And sometimes they give, offer me support and sometimes they offer me correction. And sometimes they just encourage me that I'm not crazy and to go ahead and say that thing. You know, if, if there's something that I see that needs to be changed in my local gaming community, sometimes it's that SheForge community that says, yes, you can say something. Don't say it in anger or frustration. Let's work on how to say it in a, in a helpful way. That's, that's really, really cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's great. It's, I mean, I just know, and I think in anything that you do, when you find like-minded people and other individuals who have similar views or beliefs, it always creates a, a greater sense of comfort and understanding of where you want to be and where you want to go with whatever that endeavor happens to be. And Keyforge is such a great game that I can't say that I'm surprised that you were able to find that group and to have that sort of support and community behind you to move forward in these ways. And it's just fantastic to hear that this has been growing and developing. Yeah. And I would, I would point out too, it's not just women. She forges open to everyone. Um, and often it's men that are really encouraging. There've been a lot of men who, you know, I'd say something in she forge and they'd say, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was hard for you. Or I didn't realize it was perceived that way. Or just said, you know, if you want to speak up, I have your back. And I support you. And that's important. It's not just women. It's just people who support women in gaming. Because I think there's a public perception in the gaming community in general that it's kind of a boys club. And the one thing that I always say is, if I felt like women were going to be treated badly, I wouldn't invite them. That, that would make me a jerk. So mm. I'm inviting them because most of my experiences in tabletop gaming and RPGs and CCGs has been positive. And of course, when you have enough people, you're going to have negative experiences. But overall, I've been welcomed and included. And so more than saying, like, we can overcome our oppression, I'm saying, hey, guys, I know there's this perception that I believe you will be treated well. I believe that most people in gaming want to be welcoming, want to treat people well, are willing to listen. And if they aren't, I have your back and the rest of this community has your back, but I really believe your experience will be positive. 
really like that from the perspective of it's not just about creating the space. It's about giving people the knowledge that the space exists uh, for people to be involved with the game, especially if, as you said, there's sort of a perception that gaming, especially sort of IRL gaming is oftentimes just that boys club thing where you walk into the average, you know, magic store or whatever, and you just see tons and tons and tons of guys standing around and, and very few women. Uh, so I, I, I'm sort of very into the idea of this isn't just about creating the space. It's also about creating the atmosphere that allows that space to exist. That's, that's very cool. Annie, how did you get involved with SheForge? Uh, did you you join the group via Facebook or via another means? I joined via Facebook. Uh, Anne said she would, needed some help maybe with generating some content, some activity, just, you know, getting, you know, getting some process. If you look back in the history of our Facebook group, it's, you know, someone make a post and then three weeks later, someone else would make another post. So, my job was to come in and bring some activity, maybe do some different unique posts, which, Anne, I was just thinking, I haven't I haven't done an interview in a while with any of our recent members. I'll have to you do this. So I started doing a variety of different posts. Um, don't do much of that anymore. Uh, I, it's sort of transformed into running the online league that we've been running for the past several months since the start of the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about that league. What's it set up like? Uh, it varies. So our very first one, I did probably not the best idea <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect, but it was a bit of fun. We actually changed formats every single week, which uh, was a little bit, uh, I would say, a little crazy because people are like, oh, well, what are we doing this week again? And I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Uh, it's, I'd say it's, I've gotten a lot more consistent. Um we're wrap, wrapping up our third third one, our first one. Actually, we sent out SheForge mats and took care of all, of all of that process. And the past couple, we've sent out a deck. And, of course, it's free to play, uh, no charge to any of our members. It's just a way to try to keep that game going. Yeah, we've we've had the similar thing. It's um, We tried to keep it, – it died off as time went on. Because there's honestly, as, as great as it is to play online, there is, uh, it's not the same as playing in person. I think we all know that, but we had, we kept our local group going as much as we could. And that's always fun because those are people you actually see on a regular basis and not being able to have that interaction. It's, uh, it's not the same. So we've, we did a similar thing for our community, which is always, uh, always a good time. Um, so I have a question for both of you is, um, what are some of the challenges you've seems you've found as you've been navigating Keyforge? Is there any like really thing like as a as just a player in general that you find is challenging with Keyforge, or or has it just been always like just fun for you and you've been able to just navigate everything really great? Well, I know for me in terms of gameplay, it's my first game like this. I wasn't a Magic player, I wasn't a Pokemon player, and so I'm really learning. And that is a challenge sometimes when, you know, the top players, a lot of them came from other games and you can feel like I'm behind and I'm never going to play at the level these people play at. Mm -hmm. I want to get better. Um, but being able to seek out feedback and say, here are my weaknesses and approach people and say, I want to get better has been a good exercise for me. 
because it takes a certain amount of humility to go to someone and say, you're good at something I'm really bad at. So tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I promise not to take it badly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How have those experiences been when you've reached out to people for that kind of guidance, sort of as a, a, a sort of new player, or I guess now a somewhat seasoned Keyforge player, but somebody who's still learning? I think overall it's been great. I There's no negative response that comes to mind. And I think one of the things that I've learned is there are always going to be people who innately have skills that you may never fully develop, but you also have skills that they may never fully develop. And it's learning how to bolster the places where you're a little weaker, but also lean in where you're stronger. And one of the things that I think of is people who can recount a game turn by turn after the game. If a game is over, I could vaguely tell you what happened and who won and who lost, but there's zero chance that I could recount for you afterwards what happened. Yeah, that is impressive. And Annie, how about for you? For me, I'd say I honestly jumped into it just as a, hey, let's try this out. I honestly approached it and didn't think that it would be anything I could ever really be successful in, just because it's something I've never really picked up. I knew this is a type of game I might succeed at. And it actually took Paul, the owner of the store. I was like, man, I just, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm not going to be real good at this. I'm not going to be real good at this. He's like, you show up every week. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but it's not sure I'll be doing it good. And then, um, you know, and then I started, you know, I started doing better. I finally, after about a year of playing, I went 4-0 at our weekly chain bound. And then a couple months later, I won a local prime. So, nice. That's right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I was pretty cool. It was sealed AOA, which for some reason my brain just works with AOA. So mm. a little odd, I know, considering it's AOA. But hey, the the, the top tier AOA is is AOK by me. Nice. <laughs> I, I kind of have a question about that uh, for for both of you. You've both been with the game for quite some time now and have had experiences, I presume, with all four sets. Would that be correct? Yes. Yep. as an assumption goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm sort of curious for longstanding players, whenever I get to meet them and talk to them, what their personal preference is for sets. Because I've talked to people who are just like, nope, Coda's still the king. I've talked to people who are like top tier AOA all the way, just like we were discussing. I've talked to people who think that Worlds Collide. I believe, Blake, your position is that Worlds Collide is still the possibly the best set that we've seen thus far. Right yep. now, I'm super into Mass Mutation because I like the balance of the game when I'm playing it in Mass Mutation, but I feel like there's a lot of room for that. And what's your favorite set of the four, if you can pick one? It's hard to pick. I would say probably Coda because I'm more familiar with it. I love playing Mass Mutation. I think it's the set I have most enjoyed since the game, since that first release. Um, it's been the least spoiled release. And so when I got my decks, it was that same sense of discovery and look what's new. And I think the interactions are really fun. And so it could easily become a favorite. Um, it's interesting because Annie clicks with AOA and I just don't. I have really strong AOA decks and it doesn't suit my play style. So I struggle even with a really good AOA deck. Um, I struggle a little bit even with a really good Worlds Collide deck, but the Mass Mutation decks and the Coda decks work the way my brain wants to work. Interesting. Annie, what would you say it is about AOA that you find appealing? 
Well, my, my, my local team, the Bay Witches, they would, they would probably be like gray riders. Annie's <laughs> all about gray riders. I have a deck with spirits way and double gray riders. It's my first deck that could hit the rule of six. And I have to say, that's my favorite moment with, uh, you know, running the spirits way. And then I just reap <laughs> and until I can't reap anymore. Uh, I mean, and AOA will always hold a special place in my heart, but lately I've been really digging Mass Mutation, probably because it also has great writers. Um, <laughs> and uh, and Gizelheart's pretty cool. Speaking of being, you both said you're new players to the game, and we were kind of loosely talking about this before we started recording. Um, you said you had a really strong Coda deck. I think, Anne, you said that, right? When you first played, you opened a really good Coda deck. Yeah, one of my first decks was a really good Coda deck, and I was able to, I clicked with it mentally, so I was able to play it up to a level 3, I think I got up, I don't even remember, I want to say like 13 chains on it, um, Nice. until it started running into star, like star lions and dinosaurs, <laughs> then, it, then it lost a few chains, but um, yeah, what we were talking about, I think that that's a really good experience. I love when a new player opens an amazing deck because you feel like I, could, I have a chance. I have a shot. And it feeds that addiction of wanting to get another amazing deck. I think it's unfortunate when a new player opens half a dozen decks and they're all kind of mediocre or poor and they're, they begin to feel like their skill is the problem. When the reality is it's not their skill. It's just that they haven't gotten their golden ticket yet in a really good deck. That's actually what I wanted to bring this up about because I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And there is, I think, the chance to lose players in this game because the first couple decks they open are not very good. And if they go to an event, they start losing, not realizing that they're not doing anything wrong. It's actually just happened to have a luck of the draw that was not very lucky. And I just wanted to know your thoughts on this because I've been really thinking about developing like almost like players should play certain deck archetypes, I think, when you're starting out, especially from Coda and have almost like this progression through decks before buying any decks of their own almost because then it would give them a better understanding of how the game plays and what they like to play within the game. And then when they open decks, it won't be like, oh, this is this game sucks because I can't win in it when really the truth is you didn't open a deck that has certain elements that lead to success, especially as an early player. And I was just wondering what your thoughts on that, because I think you, you both came into the game from having no other card game experience. So I'm just curious about like that thought process and what you think of it. Well, I know for me, one of the things, because we, we battled this a bit locally at our local game store before the shutdown and one of the things that we started doing is if we had a new player who came in and bought a deck and wanted to join, then we would all play sealed or like go sealed where we would all pull out a deck we'd never played before out of our many decks. Um, or we may say, oh, you bought a deck. It has a blue uh, background on it. The Archon art we will all play blue decks or it's, Rated in the 60s will all play decks of a similar rating just to try to level it out a little bit because mm -hmm. if it becomes a place where the best players bring their best decks, I know another store locally to me had that problem. It killed their game night because mm -hmm. everyone went, why should I go waste my money and my time 
to get slaughtered by these super competitive players week after week after week. So we worked really hard to try to switch that up a little bit and say, you know, Chainbound kind of has to be the most welcoming place. It's the most basic level of sort of organized play. And if you want to be super competitive, you need to come to a weekend tournament. And mm -hmm. or you need to get together with your other super competitive friends. Like we just had to have those kind of tough talks. And they are tough because the competitive players go, why are you picking on me just because I'm winning? That's not fair. But you have to try to find what's best for the whole community and balance everyone's needs and make sure that everyone's having a chance to have a positive experience. I know we're we're pretty good about that in our local scene. Like we're pretty open about like, hey, what are we playing today? And if there's a new player, we're very conscious of that. Like we've done it. I think Alex, you know, we've done this before. Like, hey guys, don't bring the heat today. Uh, it's a new player. Let's let's be welcoming because this is still a new game, and it is the responsibility of the players currently playing to actually foster that welcoming and engaging community where the people who are new want to come back and. If anyone's listened to the podcast before, I've said it many times, the whole reason why I found this game so welcoming is because of Alex and his his like great welcoming gesture of having me come play with him the very first time I walked in a store has like is literally what developed our friendship that we have today and led to us doing this podcast and whatnot. And it's and it's really stuck with me as a very valuable lesson because of my own feelings and experience. And so when you say this, like this all resonates very strongly with me. Like we have a responsibility, especially if we're playing week in, week out, if there's a new player to accommodate to them, because guess what? Your now player pool just grows, which means now maybe you have the extra player, which takes you to the next level. And now you have an extra round of that, which means one more hour of Keyforge that week. And it just keeps growing. And then usually the store puts in more prize support. So it all just leads to a greater level of community and enjoyment of the game. Annie, how have your experiences been playing locally? It's been great. Uh, you know, and just like both, you know, both of you and every, actually all three of you, the, the store play, uh, we're always reminded to be nice. Anytime someone is new, uh, be nice, always help them out, make sure to, you know, be kind, don't be mean. And, uh, you know, we always, anybody who shows in week in, week out, we always take the opportunity to say hello, how you doing, maybe strike up a little bit of a conversation. Um, not everybody, but you know, some of us, you know, just to get to know the players. I mean, we had, before the shutdown, we had a very consistent Monday sealed, Thursday chain bound. And I, I have to admit, I, I don't think anyone in my local area ever goes truly easy on, uh, on people. Uh, we have a running joke that it takes about a month before you actually really start winning some games. But uh, even with that, because everyone's so welcoming and friendly and nice and willing to say, Hey, um, you know, I've got a, you know, one of the players I play against frequently, uh, Joe, gosh, I haven't talked to, I've talked to him in a while. He always makes it a point after every game to say, Hey, you know, you could have done this, uh, you know, one of mine was I had brainstem antenna on on a card, and I didn't realize that every time I was playing a Mars creature, I could have re-readied the creature. And um, 
you know, I mean, it's just, you know, simple things like that, maybe little recommendations on, hey, here's how you could do something better. Or I know in my situation on one of the tournaments I was in, my opponent didn't realize that shields came back <laughs> at, at the end of their turn. So that actually helped benefit them to actually win the round. So. Mm. I love that the conversation sort of came back around to this because from the very beginning of our conversation today, it's been about community and just the value of community. And I, I think that we sort of we're, we're all very simpatico in our thinking about the idea that the the game can only exist via a sense of community. And if people don't feel welcome, if they feel their opponents are hostile, if they feel that there's no chance for them to learn how to play, if they feel there's nobody they can turn to when they need assistance becoming a better player then the game dies and then nobody gets to play so it's 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 almost like self-interest to be as open and welcoming as possible and to create spaces where people feel welcome to be part of the community yeah i agree i think there's a selfish aspect to it because i can do the mental math and say if i want keyforge to be around for a very long time I need a large pool of players. I need people who are actively invested in the game. I need the stores to be on board. Um, I need there to be convention presence. All of those things that you see in other games, we have to build. And the way that we build that is by at the very basic initial introduction, being kind and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And keeping the, and keeping everything rolling. Oh, sorry. And just to build on that, um, you know, my local community, we've, we've been pretty consistent. Uh, you know, first we, ju first, we just did tournaments within our local team and recently uh, started running local tournaments just within our local Baltimore area, in addition to the SheForge tournaments. And, you know, exactly like you guys said, it's, it's almost selfish. It's like, hey, we want to keep this rolling. We want to keep this running. It's a really fun game. And I want to see it stick around for a long time. That's really awesome. I'm, I'm just so glad to be able to have this conversation and sort of it's one of those aspects where I think that oftentimes Blake and I and our guests on this show often end up talking about mechanics of the game. And that's great and fun. And obviously it's what a lot of folks come to the podcast for. But I feel like this element of the conversation is one that oftentimes gets overlooked. We're always sort of thinking about the idea of playing the game, but often not about what facilitates the existence of the game and how to make sure that there are more games to play in future. So really terrific. We're, we're getting towards the end of the episode and we cannot finish an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one is called Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Annie, I understand that you have a Help from Future Self lesson that you would like to impart to our listeners. 100%. Never forget your artifact control. And have you had any scenarios in which that's been driven home to you? Any particular pesky artifacts that have uh, sort of been a thorn in your side that you've needed that artifact control for? The uh, the well-played well Heart of the Forest. Ugh. It's a dirty word. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I, I got to take that back. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said Heart of the Forest. I'm sorry if anybody had PTSD from it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> An excellent lesson and a good one to keep in mind. We got to start getting out of here, but before we do, where can we find you on socials, Annie? You can find me on Discord in the SheForge group, uh, Facebook in the SheForge group, as well as the KeyForge Baltimore group. Excellent. And what about yourself, Anne? I'm in the same SheForge Discord and the 
SheForge Facebook group. We have a SheForge Instagram, which I am woefully behind in posting on. We're SheForge KF on Twitter. And um, I am also involved. If you ever come to St. Louis, it's a super cool community when it's open. Um, so I'm in the KeyForge STL group. Um, really involved there too. And if people wanted to join SheForge, what would be the best way to do so? Facebook is the best intro because you kind of get the rundown of what SheForge is, kind of the rules we go by, which I can give you a heads up. Everyone is welcome. The rules are basically be nice to each other. Your behavior is the only thing that will get you removed. Fantastic. You can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible on Discord, some Discords anyway, uh, and on Twitter and Instagram. Where can they find you, Blake? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight, as well as my regular YouTube videos that go out on the regular. Annie and Ann, it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. Um, I got to ask you and put you on the spot. If we asked you to come back to chat with us again in future about other Keyforge topics, would you be down? Sure. Absolutely. That makes me so happy to hear. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay fortunate.